seriously, I was recently speaking yeah. with somebody, and he was asking me if the uh, the vad that I give on Thursday nights yeah. is chomish or it's or it's Musa. So I think that the answer is, is uh, uh, Rashi. This is Parsha. Rashi brings down why was it Nisvachah the Parsha the Raglan the Parsha Miriam? So he says because Miriam got punished because she said lashon hara. They saw what happened to Miriam because of Lashon Hara, and they didn't take Musa from it. Yerucham said over that you see from this Chazal that a person in life is not mechuyiv to have just a, a Musa Seder where he learns from a Sefer, but all of life should be built with a Kichas Musa. All of life should be, you should see what's going on in your life, and you should take Musa from what you see going around your surroundings. If you hear something, you have to apply it to your life. So what we try to do is we try to t- we try to learn chumash. Just we try to take the musr out of the chumash. We try to be like half the musr and see what does it mean for our lives and how does it affect us. There's a question that the Altavim Kalam asked, which I think is a very powerful question. We have in the beginning of the parsha that the Meragim come back and they tell Klai Yisrael that Eretz Yisrael is going to be very difficult to conquer. There's giants over there. There are people dying left and right. And Klaiso started to cry. And Yeshua and Kalev tell them, I don't know why you're crying. The land is very good and will be fine. And Klaiso cannot stop crying. And Klaiso is not makabal it for anything. They're not makabal it for anything. They refuse to go into Eretz Yisrael. And then all of a sudden, later in the parasha, we see that Klaiso changes their mind. And the next morning they say, okay, fine, we're going into Eretz Yisrael, Vayapilu. And Moshe says, don't go, you're going you're to get sushmetered. No, we're going, we're going. And they go in. What in the world changed? The night before, Klai Yisrael refused to go for any price. And now, they're not even listening to Moshe not to go. So the Adam Kalim said a, a big insight, which I think is important to us in our lives. He says that the difference between the night and the before is, is that the night before there was a tzivoy from Hashem to go. And when there was a tzivoy to go into Eretz Yisrael, there's a Yitzhahar not to go. When you have a mitzvah, the Yitzhahar doesn't let you for any business. The minute Hashem took away the tzivoy and he said, don't go, they had no Yitzhahar anymore not to go, so they went. So it's an unbelievable thing. That means the whole thing was a Baba Maisa. In other words, the Eretz HaYichel Yeshvel, and everything they were nervous about, it was all a facade that the Yitzhahara created, a, 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 a vision, that convinced them not to go. The minute the Yitzhahara went away, there was nothing there. Of course we're going to go. They... So the Altar Kalam said that a person has to be so aware in life that sometimes when he feels a, a tremendous drive to do something, he has to be suspicious that the Yitzhahara. Rishon Shadron said over this idea, and he brought an interesting, two interesting examples. I'll tell you his examples. He says over there are people, everyone knows that there's a mitzvah of Yigisavah Yayim Valayla. He says there's a mitzvah to always think and learning. He says, but when people are sitting in front of a Gemara, they can't keep their head into the learning. Their head starts thinking about business and sports and all kinds of things. They cannot focus. He says, but the same people, when they go into the bathroom or the mikvah, all of a sudden they're thinking of learning. Mamash about what they learned before and the day after. Doesn't make any sense. He's sitting and learning, can't concentrate on learning. He goes to the bathroom, he's thinking, what's the pshat? Same, same pshat. He says, because when you're learning, the eight are is pushing you not to learn. When you're in the bathroom, he's pushing you to think about the learning. It's Mamash from the biggest rias of the power of the eight are. He gave another example where Shalom said over, he had this maisa when he was growing up in Beis Yisrael, he says there was a guy in his neighborhood that wasn't a medakti b'mitzvah. Shabbos was, was not, 
He was very not so careful with Shabbos. He said, and by he ayoyim, there was one Shabbos, there was a lady that was splitting up blood, and they needed to be Michal Shabbos to save their life, and they called the guy, and he was like, oh, Shabbos, how can I save her? When there was a chiv dairaisa to save her on Shabbos, it couldn't be Michal Shabbos. When there was no chiv, he had no problem with Michal Shabbos. He said he saw in front of his eyes how the Yetzirah of Mamish controls a person. So it's important for a person in his life to try to be suspicious and to figure out where the Yetzirah is pushing him and how to, how to discern what's not. I happen to have seen this week from Tzadok HaKoyim. Baruch once asked me, how do, is everyone nowadays Gagulim? He asked, how, how, do, how do I know if I'm a Gilgar or not? So I don't know the answer. But Tzadok says something very interesting. He says, if a person from when he was very, very young feels a natural teva and inclination to an Avera, he just feels like he like automatically, like a magnet, goes to a certain Avera. And it doesn't make sense because he's young and he's he hasn't really experienced this Avera that often. And it shouldn't be a habit. He says it probably means that in a, in a different Gilgal, he was very, very shakua in this Avera. And therefore, it's a Tava by him. And then he says, and that's his Avera in this world to fix that Nikuda. Which is, an, which is an unbelievable thing. So he says, where your weakness, your greatest weakness is, is most likely your purpose in this world, which is the opposite of what most people think. Most people, when they try to correct themselves, they try to correct themselves in the areas that are easiest for them to correct themselves. And Rav Tzaddik is saying that it could be that you already went through a whole world and didn't fix this Nakuda. That's why you're back here to fix that Nakuda. I'll go upon him. This is an important Nakuda to try to figure out if our actions are rain from the Yitzhar or not. I think it's possible, I mentioned this once before, but it's, it's, worth, it's worth hearing this story again. I had a, a, a Rebbe of mine when I was growing up. It was a tremendous Tamachacham. And years after I was in his class, he went with his Tamidim on a Lag trip. He was a big lover of nature. Unfortunately, he had a heart attack in the, in the forest, and, and he passed away in front of his Tamidim. It was a terrible, terrible story. By his, his Hesped, I was by his Hesped. And the Masbid said over the following story. He said that this Rebbe, besides being an extraordinary Tamachacham, was a tremendous lover of nature. He loved nature and he understood the stars and the plants and everything. So he obviously wasn't very wealthy. So once a year he took his kids on a vacation that they wait, waited the whole year for this vacation. What did he do? He went out into some forest, each year a different place, with a camp, with a tent, and they camped there for a couple of days and he would show them the stars and the plants and everything. And his kids waited their whole year for this for this thing. So one year he comes to this person who's being massive, his name was Ramesha Eisman, who was his Rebbe. And he says, what should I do? He says, we planned this year a trip like we did every year. My kids have been waiting the whole year for this trip. They're so excited. The night before we're supposed to go on the trip, a war broke out in Lebanon. And they're fighting, Eretz Yisrael is fighting Lebanon. She says, what should I do? He says, on one hand, my kids look forward to this trip the whole year. This is the highlight of the whole year. He said, but on the other hand, there are Yiddish and Hashemas, people in the Israeli army, that are being killed in the, in the battle. I'm going to go on a vacation when there's Yiddish and Hashemas being killed? What should I do? Very shred child. So this Ramosha Eisman said over the following hand. He says, the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. But he says, I want to tell you one thing. He says, the hergish inside of you not to go on the vacation because they're Yiddish Hashem old. One thing I'm sure is that is a pure Ruch Nisdika There is nothing Gashmis in that Cheshmer. 
The going on the camping trip, I'm not so sure. He says, I have a Messiah that when you have a hergish that you know is Kulay Ruchni, you go with that. What that hergish? That's what he said. It's so hard in life to know when the Yitzhahar is talking and when he's not talking. If you have a, one of two options and one of them you're 100% sure that the Yitzhahar is not talking in that thing, you go with that option. Because the other one, if he's already in the in the if he's already part of the other option, then you don't know if you're seeing the option properly. So this was the Musa Haskell that he said over. Obviously, the person that goes to this parsha and we talks about Yeshua and Kalev. We can't even fathom the greatness of Yeshua and Kalev. And we see Yeshua needs Moshe Rabbeinu to change his name so that he doesn't get affected by the Miragam. And Kalev has to run to Kever Avais to make sure that he doesn't get affected by the Miraglim. Yeshua, Kalev, they're so nervous about the Miraglim. So obviously, state in this thing, we have to learn this up, that the power of a Chevra is unbelievable. The power of a Chevra is unbelievable. The power of people, what your surroundings can affect you, is I even know you right. And yes, the greatest of people were not, were not comfortable without davening that the Rosh Hashanah gives you at the Shemai. I want to just tell you a fascinating story and a fascinating Rambam. The Rambam says over, that what should a person do if he lives in a place and he finds out that the people in the place are not good people? They're not good people. What should he do? So the Ramam says he should do everything he can to try to change the town. He says, but if he can't change the town, he should move. He should move places. And then he writes, and if he has nowhere to go, if he can't find the place he should go, he says he should go into the desert and be together with nobody. That's how much it is. So... I have a savior from Vincent Feldman. He says over, what does it mean to tell a person that because he has bad neighbors, he should leave his place? He rings a powerful Yerushalmi that the Yerushalmi says a certain king wanted to put a tax on his community. So he put a tax on the community. The guy says, if you, the community said, if you don't take the tax off, we're moving. We're leaving town, right? We're going to Florida, right? From, from New York. They said, we're leaving. So the king had a yayas. And the king says, I can guarantee you, you don't have to be worried about them. They're not going anywhere. He says, people can't move. They can't move. It's just very hard for people to move. He brought an example. He said, I'll prove it to you from a certain kind of deer. He says, take a deer, put them in a faraway place. You'll see the deer will come back to its original habitat. Just like deers work that way, people work that way also. People don't change. So you see how hard it is for a person to change his habitat, says the Rambam. But if you're in a habitat of people that are not good, pick yourself up and go. And if you have to, live in a desert. This is not, by the way, a Muslim say, but it's the Ramah Malachal Amaisa. I saw a beautiful story that Rukhasla Ramsky was once in Minsk, and he heard, it was during wartime, and he heard that Rukhayim Brisker was there also. So he decided he's going to visit Rukhayim Brisker. So Rukhayim Brisker, so he went to his house, he knocks on the door, and they said, Give me a minute. So he says, Why? He says, Because I have to undo the locks. So he says, Locks? He says, yeah, there's 10 locks on the door. 10, he had 10 locks. Every time he came in and out, it was 10 locks. So he says, well, 10 locks? So he said, yeah. Reb Chaim said that when he came to Minsk, he realized that there were many people from the Muhammad that tried to escape to Minsk. And uh, refugees. And there were Gvir, there were wealthy people in Minsk. And uh, they didn't want to have to take care of these people. So they pushed and locked the doors, and people literally starved to death. People, refugees, starved to death, but the Gvir refused to help these people. So he says, Mamash Rosham. So he says, how can I live in a city of Rosham? He says, but I can't go anywhere else. It's Muhammad time. What should I do? 
So he says, the Rambam says that you have to completely go into the desert and divorce yourself. So he said, I put 10 locks on my door. Pastor Shai should remember that I don't live in this city. I don't live in the city. I don't live here. I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here. I have nothing to do with these people. So maybe, you know, the story is a little, uh, a brisker story, but the, 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 the idea of how a person has to be careful where he selects his location, where he lives, who he hangs out with, I think that the, the, the lesson that comes out of it is, is a moridic lesson and something that a person has to, has to definitely, definitely think about. The, the, the last two things I just wanted to mention was that it's too hard for us to talk about the miraglim, as everyone points out, that the Ramban says that the list of miraglim is based on their chashivas. So that means that Yeshua, I think, is listed fourth. That means Yeshua was not even the most chashiv of the miraglim. We had a couple of miraglim that were greater than Yeshua. So for us to talk about the miraglim is, is not kedai. But what we could do is we could say over what the Zayar says. When we try to understand what, what, what went wrong, so the Zayar says that they saw, they meant to understand that when Kaisa would go into Eretz Yisrael, they would lose their positions. For whatever reason, Klaistro would have a different hierarchy, and they would lose their positions. So the Zayar says that their their view, their viewpoint, was skewed because of the Nagiyas. He says because they stood to lose by Klaistro going into Eretz Yisrael, so the Pashat saw things in a negative light. They weren't able to see things properly. They weren't able to properly assess things because they stood what to lose. It's a Mayudika Machayev. I was speaking to somebody about this. I said, I, I said over from Rabbi Yochum. Rabbi Yochum talks about the idea of Aseilach Harav. And he says people, and I, I know I speak to a lot of young people and older people, and they get very stuck in Aseilach Harav because they're very, very confused. You know, who should my Rav be? And I, you know, he has to be this great and that great, and he has to have this. There's a lot of different qualifications that people have for Aseilach Harav. Rabbi Yochum says that he feels that Aseilach Harav does not have to be somebody that's greater than you or even smarter than you. He writes this with Your Rav does not have to say that. The main qualification that you need the Rav to be is that he's not you. He's not you. And he doesn't have your Nagias. Because when you make decisions, you see things with your Nagias, your emotional Nagias, your Taivistic Nagias. And therefore, Rabbi Ruchan writes clearly, if you can't find a Rav that's greater than you, have somebody else to ask your questions to. Have someone else to say something to you just to be able to see their perspective. And anyone that's ever tried this, you speak sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they have a perspective that is such a fresh perspective. You're wondering how you never got it. And the answer is because he is not invested in this. He has he sees it from a clear picture. So Yerucham says, that's Asay Lecharav, which means that there's never an Eitzah and there's never an answer to why you don't have a Rav. In other words, Yerucham's taking away all the Terutzim from Asay Lecharav. Everyone can have a Rav. So I end off to say that you start mentioning the Maestro Reb Chaim, the end of the Maestro Reb Chaim. They said that Reb Chaim looked for a Rav and Brisk. Everyone knows Reb Chaim is not the Rav and Brisk. When he looked for a Rav and Brisk, he was looking for two requirements. He was looking for a tremendous, tremendous Tamachachim and someone who knew how to say, I don't know. Reb Chaim, that was a very big Kavei in a Rav. Because the, the greatness of a Rav is, is knowing how to be able to say, I don't know. And be able to say, if I don't know the answer to a question, I don't know the answer. So maybe we'll be most of that. That whoever the Rav is, he doesn't have to be smarter than you. But he has to be someone that's willing to tell you, I don't know, when the answer is, I don't know. This is, this is a Musa How many times does Moshe Rabbeinu say, I don't know? How many times does Rashi say, Eni Yedea? Right? 
Right? Rashi, the one that we wouldn't be able to. Any idea? Kavega makes a list of all the times Rashi says any idea. This is to teach us that it doesn't diminish from a person's stature. It actually creates their stature when they're able to, be, to, to say, I don't know. So, so sometimes a person comes and asks, you were shy. You're not a rough. If you don't know the answer, you say there's any idea.